Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast where we're interviewing all the people you need to hear from about all of the major issues facing us today. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Josh Umber. He's the founder of Atlas MD. Atlas MD. The website is atlas.md, atlas.md. And I'm so glad to have you here, Dr. Umber. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so let's talk about this. You have written an article over at Real Clear Health where you're talking about telehealth being here to stay, but that we have to stick the landing. So I think all of us have had some experience with telehealth since the advent of the pandemic. And coming out of it, it's one thing I do not plan on giving up on. I love having a FaceTime, face, uh, you know, some kind of Zoom or Skype with my doctor. I feel like I'm still getting the same level of attention and expertise. I still end up having to go get my blood work done at LabCorp or somewhere outside of his office anyway. So I'm not losing anything, but I'm getting the benefit of squeezing my doctor's visits into my super busy day. And so what are you talking about in your article that we need to make sure we do as we move into this new reality? Well, I think a lot of it is patients um, need to kind of continue to voice that uh, enthusiasm and demand for it because, of course, the system is going to respond best to patients and what they want and how they you know, kind of demand to receive care. But uh, just as importantly, the government needs to kind of maintain their current position. Um, I would rarely say this, but they, they did a good job uh, in March uh, 2020 when they changed from the standard HIPAA laws to more of a good faith principle. And that really allowed doctors and patients to fast forward you know, five, 10 years and use the technology they were using everywhere else, but not in healthcare and um, took a lot of penalties away and the concern, et cetera, and allowed for reimbursement. So if they allow that industry to just continue to problem solve and, and meet customer demands, I, I think we'll get a much better product uh, now and, and in the future. So this is coming in and at just the right time, I feel like, because you start off your piece talking about two years of lockdowns, panics, and gallons of hand sanitizer, and that we're finally entering the post-COVID world. But doctor's offices had to really, they had to innovate in order to serve patients in a time where, you know, local government officials were kind of like, okay, you can't be open, people can't go there, only so many people can enter this space at a time. And doctors had a lot of their patients even you know, kind of missing their preventative appointments and screenings. And so it's been a real struggle for your people like yourself working in healthcare, taking care of patients, primarily being concerned with keeping people alive and healthy um, to navigate the pandemic. Yeah, um, I think uh, we were forced into a lot of change. And it was funny how medical providers were essential workers, but patients weren't. So we could go to work, but they couldn't come to us or all these other complications, um, not to mention during an infectious pandemic where you have to, you're trying to keep patients farther apart. And uh, unfortunately, doctor's offices were really not designed around that. It was a volume game, bring sick people into a large waiting room and sit them right next to healthy people. So we were overdue for the change anyways, but you think of all the other ways we use technology. I mean, the idea that we'd have to drive to a blockbuster and get a movie once or twice a week is ridiculous when we can carry all of Netflix on our phone all the time. Um, it, if education and shopping and all these other industries in our lives aren't limited by that face-to-face interaction, I, I think we should encourage the adoption of that to improve patient care. Faster, easier, cheaper 
transportation not required. Uh, just make the most of this kind of technology for patient care. So the the other thing that I think is a, a real issue um, is there's a bit of mistrust because a lot of people misunderstood what HIPAA regulations actually required in conjunction with the vaccine. And so there were plenty of people, plenty of Americans who rushed out. They couldn't wait to get vaccinated. And then there were others who were concerned about the newness of the vaccine, the um, kind of lack of information surrounding some aspects of what the side effects were. And so they didn't want to get vaccinated. And so you have this federal government regulation called HIPAA, and you call it an antiqued regulation because it was originally created in 1996. And you're exchanging that for a good faith principle, which allows doctors and patients the opportunity to use the best technology without fear of reprisal. Explain that to us, because I don't think we really understand HIPAA as like regular people, not, you know, not, not doctors. <laughs> sure. I, I think, you know, people probably, you know, run into that friction point, you know, like, well, I'm sorry, I can't talk to your spouse unless they sign paperwork or the specialist can't fax this over until you sign a form. Um, but you're right, a, a law written in 1996 when I was 15, the Spice Girls were topping the charts, and Internet Explorer <laughs> 3 was released. So, oh, those are great changed. inflection points for us to remember what was going on then. <laughs> yep, uh, different times, right? Um, and so, uh, uh, and the government just moved so much slower than the technology, but they held this off on kind of a 1990s fear of, quote, hackers and, and Internet. And, you know, we were at one point, remember thinking the internet was going to make people antisocial and then social media hit. So people are sharing more information on Facebook than they would have ever thought to share years ago um, and, and enjoying it and benefiting from it on some level. But then you'd come to your doctor's office and we're still using facts and we don't use email and everything's on paper or behind bad software. Um, you can maybe use your doctor's portal, but it was frustrating and cumbersome and, and too secure. In an age where I can text a picture of my check to the bank and they'll deposit it for me, I still had to physically go to the doctor to say, hey, is this an allergic reaction? Or you know, can we talk about my depression? Um, some of these things don't need a, a physical exam quite the same way. Uh, it's a compliment. We're never trying to say te telemedicine replaces a doctor. And the best use of that is a tool with the doctor you have a relationship with but we, we need to bring this into the modern age. And so many of those HIPAA laws were just vague. You know, we talked, it's like nailing jello to the wall. What is secure? The government didn't make it clear, but if you weren't secure enough, and they decided that later you could be fined up to millions. And so it really held the technology back. Um, once they said, all right, we're going to change all of that with the stroke of a pin and just use whatever technology you want, um, under the idea that if you're taking care of patients, we'll give you, you know, the good faith that there's, there's no financial penalty. You won't lose your license. Now, if we find out you were selling data or doing something nefarious, sure. But then overnight, the technology that patients were comfortable with, FaceTime, um, you know, Zoom, Skype, texting, emailing, uh, it, it was all immediately available to them. And they responded beautifully. There was almost no learning curve because they could use this, the same tech they were using at work or with their family. Um, so we had this drastic improvement in, in healthcare in a lot of ways. Could have been better, but we, it, I don't think we could have done the pandemic without that ability to use technology. 
Yeah. Uh, so I love that you in, in your article and, you know, so Dr. Amber, the the most to me, I just enjoy um, the most enjoyable part of like an article like the one you've written is that you took the time to kind of take us back through. Um, you talk about a Lancet article from 1879 discussing the then revolutionary idea of using telephone calls to reduce unnecessary mm-hmm. office visits. You, so the first thing you think in your mind is, I'm like, 18. 18- 79 they had phones back then like it's so, it so crazy because we don't remember when those came about so we're like I don't know if they had those back in the 1870s did they um but they did and so they they thought about this back then so that that shows you how in some areas like you mentioned social media and technology those areas have taken like light year type jumps and every couple of years we discover some new technology like I remember when they first introduced the Fitbit and now we have Apple watches that monitor all of our vitals. And you mentioned that in your piece. But then you start talking about, and this is where to me it gets really magical, that you can actually monitor people from a distance. Um, we had an experience last year with a family member where we had home health nursing, where the nurses were serving as a function to keep our patient at home as opposed to him being in the hospital, which was actually preventing him from getting better. Being in the hospital was so depressing for him that it was preventing him from improving, bringing him home and having the nurses come in once a week with his vitals and to ensure that everything was going well actually propelled him forward and, and enabled him to get over the, the, it was like a hump he needed to get over in order to actually begin to improve. So these are like, th- these, these are not just conveniences. They can make a huge difference in patient care. Yeah, we're going really from a one-size-fits-none model. Everyone go to a hospital that you don't recognize and it's hard to get to and parking's difficult and the people change every few hours um, to hospital at home, which um, is, in theory, a, a new type of tech because it's a new way of doing things. And I think John Hopkins started that a few years uh, prior, but we saw better outcomes. And you know, we don't build... Uh, wooden bridges and stone bridges and metal bridges the same way because each one is a different material with strengths and weaknesses. So why would we try to treat all patients the same way or make them always come to an office? Some people don't have a car. Some people work off hours. Some people have an anxiety attack at 2 a.m. and want to email their thoughts to their health provider. And and we should be flexible enough to meet each one of those needs. Um, so you're right. It's, it's more than just a convenience. In a lot of ways, it's essential. Um, you know, you take rural counties uh, or, or just rural states. The state of Wyoming has fewer people than our urban area uh, in Wichita. So they'll always have fewer specialists to, in their state than other cities have total. Why would they limit themselves to just the doctors they can drive to? Um, why would you, you know, make yourself juggle everything when you can get food delivered to your door? If you can turn on your phone and talk to your doctor better, faster, easier, cheaper, uh, and and have fast follow-up and have a relationship and flexibility and avoid contagion, Um, at at some point it seems silly to do it any other way. Yeah. We're so simpatico right now, Dr. Umber, because I'm I'm thinking about, like, so we have world-class healthcare here in Missouri, and I remember being at the hospital last year and a couple were taking a stroller up to the same floor we were going to and it was empty and she pushed the stroller onto the elevator as we got on and pushed a button and she was going to the same floor and she turned and looked me right in the face and said, 
we're going to get our daughter. She's been here since she was born. And that was four months ago. And we're bringing her home today. And I was like, wow. And she said, yeah, we're going back to Arkansas. I said, really? She said, yeah, we came here because, you know, this children's hospital was exactly what our daughter needed. But it's been such a long slog and I'm finally taking a baby. I'm going to put a baby in the stroller and bring her home. And we were just... I was blown away by it. I felt like, you know, God was trying to tell me your situation's not the worst and you haven't been here that long. Sure. But it was a beautiful moment to kind of recognize that people come to St. Louis to get access to our children's hospitals and our cancer centers. And so what you're talking about makes that easier for them so they don't have to have as many trips to St. Louis. But when they come here, they will have had the same level of care. They just, you know, come for the parts where you actually physically have to be here. Um, this is this is innovation at its finest. It's the thing that American healthcare is known for. Right. It's it's an interesting way of saying if people will, will gravitate to the children's hospitals and get great care, but then have to go states away, uh, and then follow up is hard. Getting appointments is hard. Um, they'll spend more time scheduling and traveling and more cost, and, and that's an unrealized cost for people and getting off work. And versus so much of what we do in healthcare is informational. Um, and great for any appointment that's more than informational, have it. But if you could get on, uh, my daughter was born with Down syndrome, and we spent several weeks at the Children's Hospital in Kansas City. Um, and so then we'd have group meetings, and that's fantastic. So if you can't do those in person, you can have a family of children with the same disability all learning together over a large Zoom. Um, either way, it's better, faster. You're getting the information from the person who might have it all the way across the state, faster, easier, cheaper. Uh, if Amazon's not limited to zip codes, why would anything else be? So I love that. Um, is, so is there anything else you'd like to add? I, I, I think in this area, this is one area where we can talk, you and I, and then people can listen to this podcast, they can read this article. And because this is about healthcare and not politics, you know, it's not about <laughs> faith or religion, it's just about um, something that we all, so one thing we can't escape as human beings is that we have to access healthcare. And to make um, significant strides in the way that we offer healthcare to Americans, specialized to suit their needs and to still give them world-class experiences and to make sure that people are improving and actually becoming healthier. It is such an amazing thing to watch develop. And I'm, I just, I'm so excited about it because there's nothing like being able to go online. Like now that the medical records are online, you log in and if my test results are back, they're there and I can look at them. Um, if I want to communicate with my doctor, like um, I, I'd like an appointment about so-and-so, I just type that in and request the appointment. And then the doctor can actually message me back and say, either you don't need to see me or I do need to see you or, you know, or I'll just get a notification that I got an appointment. It's such an amazing improvement from what was before just me sitting on the phone and being on hold forever waiting and then getting through to somebody who was kind of rude and leaving the whole experience feeling like all my time had been wasted that afternoon. Now I can get stuff done with clicks and typing and I'm still I'm still getting the appointment or I'm you know I'm still getting the referral or what have you. I'm just I've been waiting on this for years. Yeah. <laughs> And what I think is so interesting is that the technology tends to start outside of healthcare and come to healthcare. When I'm kind of surprised it doesn't work the other way around. You know, most of your Silicon Valley companies, Uber, Airbnb, Google, they, they make the, the, their product faster, easier, cheaper for the consumer. It's easier to get a, a ride than ever before. It's easier to 
rent a hotel in a different city than ever before. Um, and then only five, 10 years later, healthcare picks that up. If we were really focused on providing great care to our patients in a consumer-driven way, in a great equalizing way, we'd be you know, driving that innovation from our side and say, hey, how do we make healthcare faster, easier, cheaper? How, what obstacles can we remove? Unfortunately, that the industry is so you know, um, drugged down by the status quo that we, we rarely see that change until we're forced into it. And for all the bad that COVID did, at least it drove us, uh, drove the system to respond to patient needs in, in innovative ways. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think obviously you're a physician, so you're speaking from inside of this uh, industry. But as an outsider who, you know, I've accessed a significant portion of like healthcare services because I've had surgery, I've, I've done a whole bunch of, you know, things. And I have to say that it doesn't surprise me that the technological innovation comes from outside of healthcare because every doctor I've ever encountered has been so obsessed with patient care and outcomes that you really have to have people from the outside bring in technology because technology is a, it's like a beast unto itself. I'm, I'm dealing with trying to integrate two software systems to basically automate a, a business thing that I'm doing. And it is so difficult. And so, you know, information technology is its own like animal and you have to have yeah. specialists from there to interface with people like me where I'm running a small business or someone like yourself where you're saving lives. So um, I think it's a good thing it comes from the outside because you need all of your mental capacity, which is considerable in the medical industry yeah. for, for what you do, you know? I, yeah, it's a balance. I think we don't want to wait too long, but you're right. It's nice to have some of that technology um, tested outside of there. But I think it also, docs spend so much time learning the, the art of medicine um, that we push a lot of the other stuff to the side. Um, and if we are just as good with the technology, uh, and, and we'll kind of have to be going forward. And the technology on the Apple Watch is what would have cost a, a clinician thousands of dollars just even five or ten years ago. Now, a lot of people are walking around with it on their watch. Um, and the, the sooner we use that technology, the richer their health care um, becomes. It helps avoid ER visits and urgent care visits. And um, so you're right. It's, it, it's multidimensional in, in a lot of ways. It is. And so at this point, I'm just excited because now that I've actually experienced telehealth and, uh, you know, our son has experienced it um, and I see the way that it, the applications for it are so far reaching, like what you were talking about, something I hadn't considered, which was, you know, a family out of state doing visits via telehealth to reduce the number of visits. That is that's the future. And I'm so excited about it. I'm so glad that you were able to take time off to write this article, which I recommend if you're listening to the podcast, number one, share the podcast. Number two, read the article and then share it. Put it on your Twitter feed or your Facebook because there's so much great information in here from Dr. Umber that is giving us, it's, it's, he's talking about 21st century medical technology, which is very, very exciting. Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad you were able Absolutely. to be here. <laughs> All right. So we had Dr. Josh Umber, MD. He's a family medicine specialist in Wichita, Kansas. And his website for his um, organization is Atlas MD. It's atlas.md online. Thank you, Dr. Josh Umber. Have a great day. All right. You too. So glad to have had you here for our podcast. Share the show. And don't forget to buy my book, Eternally Cancel Proof. 
A Guide for Courageous Christians Navigating the Political Battlefront. It's available for sale on Amazon and number one new release in Christian apologetics. Glad to have you here. See you next time.